It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, a man who's asking for your vote for county coroner and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey, Coach, here is a question I bet you've asked yourself from time to time. When is the right time to get out of coaching? In other words, you reach a point where it's just not a passion anymore, or you just are tired of the routine and the demands and everything that college coaching today requires. Put aside the recruiting, just the administrative work, the travel, all the negatives about the job. When is it time to quit? Well, many of you have asked that. Coaches all over the country have asked it. And we wanted to do a show on kind of talking about that topic. It, it strays from recruiting, yeah, but this is something that if you don't answer this for yourself, I don't know how an effective uh, recruiter you can be. So that's the question that we're asking today. And I wanted to have a conversation with somebody I've known for several years that for him, he decided that it was time to get out of coaching. Uh, and uh, the individual's name is Chris Passmore. He's a women's basketball coach and got to know him many, many years ago uh, through speaking at the Women's Basketball Coaches Convention at the Final Four. That's a regular thing for me. I love it. And he was one of the coaches just that I kind of had a relationship with. Uh, he bounced around from uh, some different programs uh, around the country and had different opportunities. I thought he was a really good recruiting coordinator, very thorough, very thoughtful, and very organized, which is what you want in that position. So it was always fun talking to him and sharing ideas and getting a sense of how he did his job. And we tried to jump in and help whenever we could as well. And then it just came to a point where um, he was going through some things and the programs he was with were going through some things and he started wrestling with that question, should I get out? Is it time? Do I have the passion for this anymore? So in reconnecting with him, he is now out of coaching and uh, very successful in the private sector and now uh, just wanted to retouch this whole topic with him and find out, looking back, what would he have done differently? And also, more importantly, for those of you that are contemplating getting out of coaching, and uh, are, are struggling with that idea, I would like you to hear from somebody who made the switch. And he may confirm that feeling that you have that, yeah, you know what? It is time. And he went through some of the same things that I did and had some of the same questions. And it's just time to get out. Or you might listen to him and say, you know what? Nope, that's not me. And you hopefully then will get re-energized to approach your career and approach this job that you have with a newfound passion. But whatever the case, I know that this is a question that many coaches ask. And so we wanted to bring it up here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast because it does go way, way deeper than recruiting. But my tie to it, if I had to associate a recruiting principle with all this, is that if you aren't totally bought into doing your job, if you aren't passionate about coaching and recruiting and the college athletic career that you're in the middle of, I don't know that you can be an effective recruiter. You can go through the motions, but you're going to lose to the person that is willing to put in more time and more energy, and the passion is coming out in their voice if it's not coming out in yours. So again, 
As you listen to this conversation with Coach Passmore, who left coaching and is now enjoying the private sector, um, and I think as, as you'll hear from our conversation, does not regret the decision at all, I want you to listen to how he arrived at it and see how it sounds to you, because this is something that not a lot of coaches talk about, certainly with each other. Once in a while, they'll open up to to uh, to me or to our group because it's kind of a safe area where you can talk about that and there's no repercussions because we don't employ you. But uh, for those of you who are thinking about this whole idea, listen to Coach Passmore and the decision he made and see if it fits with you. And we'll start off the conversation by asking a simple question. Why did he like getting into coaching? What was the thing that brought him into the career in the first place? And then we'll get into the whole idea of when he began to feel like it was time to get out. Yeah, so I got into coaching, I think, uh, as most people do. You know, you fall in love with the sport. You fall in love with the team atmosphere, the competition, uh, the sweat, blood, and tears that happen on the court. And it allows you to experience things that in, in many other industries and professions um, is different. What I liked about the coaching aspect was the ability to be a leader within an organization, both from a business perspective, you know, you're controlling a, a sizable budget, mm-hmm. you have a staff to manage. From a leadership perspective, you're leading a group of athletes. So you talk about sports psychology, you talk about motivation, right? And then from a sales side, you know, you're recruiting, you're a marketer, you're a salesperson. You have all these really, uh, really special kind of nifty um, traits or facets of a profession rolled into one position as a coach in college athletics. And on top of that, you get to play uh, a game for a living and you right. get to entertain right. people. And, you know, I think that's what draw me, drew, drew me into basketball and probably many other coaches. Right. Talk about when you got in, Chris, and you got in as an assistant coach um, on the mm-hmm. women's side of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you stepped into that arena, what surprised you? Uh, what, in, in other words, what was it that, that you weren't expecting that you found to be kind of a regular part of the career? Yeah, you know, quite frankly, I think it would be the, the competition to uh, obtain and maintain a position in college athletics. Right. I was very fortunate early in my career as a student manager, then a graduate assistant coach, um, that I was at the top of Division One basketball and the best con- one of the best conferences in the country at the time. I was a bit spoiled, and then walking away from that, and then putting myself out as a um, graduated professional looking for a position, um, there was an absurd amount of competition. I-, I recall some folks who hired me, and they said, "You know, we had two, three hundred applications for this position." And uh, then the grind, you know, in terms of the grind and staying in the game, staying with the program, um, making the right move and sort of trying to progress your career in a linear, upright fashion. Uh, So I think that struggle to to be there kind of did surprise me. Did you have, did you take the approach to this that you have a career plan and here I'm going to do this, this and this and here's how I'm going to progress to reach whatever the goal was that that you kind of set for yourself. Is that how it worked or did did it just start by, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in and do what I can and then look to see where I can go from there? Or, in other words, did you have a plan or did you just sort of say, I need to get in and just start doing it and we'll see what happens? Mm-hmm. 
my, my plan was to become a head coach and win an NCAA Division One basketball championship. I mean, that's uh, simple. That, yeah. that, that was very <laughs> <Easy>. simple. I, <laughs> I, had a, <laughs> I had a laminated card in my wallet that said that. I saw it every wow, single okay. day. And so my goal was, quite frankly, to uh, take the best job I could, to be the best assistant I could. And my, my belief was that I would earn my way um, to the top um, if I was good enough and I performed well enough. And quite frankly, that was my goal. And every action I took was to work towards that goal. The reason that I wanted to talk to you uh, was because I think that the way you're describing your career and the way you're describing getting into the game and everything, I think it is it matches probably what 90% of assistant coaches uh, and what they tell me was the way that they were doing it or are doing it. Uh, you sound you sound just like them, and, and also even a lot of head coaches that have gotten into that goal. They've they've reached you know a high status or at least a head coach status that they've mm -hmm. they've wanted to. Um, so did, did you, that's my perspective, did you, as you're talking about this or as you got to know others in the profession, um, is this sort of a common theme that you've heard? And I ask that because a lot of coaches, I think, believe that they're the only ones that, that think a certain way or that believe and they're wondering, am I the oddball? Am I the one that's not doing it right? And what I hear you saying is what I hear most coaches talk about. Did you find that that was true with just your peers, that people that you would talk to in the industry? You know, I think, I, I think a lot of folks did think this way. Um, you know, the difference being, and since I've gotten out of basketball, I've been able to gain this perspective, is that it, it's difficult to bring action items towards meeting that goal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's You're not challenging. in control, in other words, of, that, of reaching you, you that have Exactly. You have a lot of limited control. Or you say, well, what does a, 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 the greatest assistant basketball coach look like? Are they a person who's on the road 24-7, always watching film, first one to leave, last one, you know, first one to arrive, last one to leave the office? What does that super successful Division I assistant coach look like? And that can be very hard to quantify, and I think it can be very hard to understand what do I need to do to make myself great, to help my team, and to be noticed and recognized as a successful coach who earns and deserves that next step. Okay, so now, and you mentioned being able to take the step back and having some outside perspective, outside the you know the the coaching world. Um, I'm wondering, where did you, as you look back, where do you see yourself uh, making mistakes in the way that you were going after your career? Because you certainly had a good start in terms of, like you said, being a athlete at a high conference level and and everything that sort of set you up as good as anybody else. Where did you see it mm -hmm. sort of start to crumble or, or get harder than you were expected? What, what, where were the areas that maybe you, you mm -hmm. did it wrong? I guess if that's a way well, to put it. You know, uh, in the business world, you have uh, measurable deliverables that you must meet to be successful in your position. Uh, when you're dealing in the business world, there are everything is very driven by numbers, right? And that's how- You have your quota, you have your, your number you're supposed to meet, yeah. Exactly right. That's how you measure success in a lot of ways, right? And uh, so I think in basketball, that, that's hard again to quantify, you know? Um, how are you contributing to your program? How many wins are you giving that program because of your presence? Um, you know, how far are your players developing under you because of your impact? That's very hard to measure. And I think where I, you know, could have improved is 
sort of having some objective deliverables to meet with my team in that year that I would work towards getting and I'd be able to measure my progress towards achieving those goals. And then at the end of the year, come back and say, um, you know, here's your performance evaluation and this is where, you know, you met your goals, you did not meet your goals. So for me, it would have been those very objective, clear cut, here's where you got to meet, this is the impact you need to have, this is the deliverables we need to see from you. Um, and have that type of focus. And if it wasn't so, given to me, I should have created that. Okay, and that's just where I was gonna go because I didn't know we were gonna sort of dive into this part of you evaluating you know, the, your career. But again, this is something that I hear so many assistant coaches talk about, but also head coaches who want the same kind of metrics and, and, and measurement from an athletic director or from a, you know, what do they expect this program to be doing in the same way that an assistant coach would say, what does this head coach want? How, how do I measure or quantify my success? Um, do you find that that is a common theme around college coaching is, am I successful? I, I, you know what, I think it is, Dan. Um, I think even with head coaches um, in their positions and folks that I've befriended and known over the years, um, I've seen many head coaches get to that position and they kind of, in some ways, kick their feet up and say, hey, you know, I'm the boss now, pressure's off, I'm going to do things my way and success will follow because I'm confident and I've earned this position. And I've seen a lot of head coaches sort of fall off. That's the approach they took. Uh, so I think that is something that um, can be improved. You know, there's great, great workshops out there. The Final Four conventions are fantastic. There's fantastic people sharing their knowledge. But then when it comes down to the day-to-day, um, you know, some of that fades away into just right. being motivational talking points as opposed to a strategic, actionable plan. Or the, or the measurement, like you were saying. So you mentioned two, two ways that I agree with that you need to do that. Either you have to set your own goals and measurables and define that success, or mm-hmm. you need your head coach or you need your athletic director to set those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you think that doesn't happen on either side? Because you, you know, coaches have a hard time setting their own goals, and a lot of times head coaches or athletic directors don't do a good job of quantifying or laying out to their assistants or to the head coach. Uh, if you're the athletic director, here's what success looks like. Here are my expectations. So why isn't that mm-hmm. happening? Yeah, that that seems like a very um, complicated question. Um, you know, I, I think we, you have to I look like at asking those, <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to look at it starting at the top. Right. And, and let me just kind of take a step back and, and speak very briefly on, um, I, I think some, how has some head coaches obtained their positions? There are many great, fantastic head coaches. And I think everybody knows who they are in their sport. There are also many coaches who get into a program and for a few years, five years, um, maintain mediocrity, and then they're asked to leave their positions. I I think, unfortunately, Dan, there's a lot of leaders in college athletics that get into their positions who maybe got lucky or maybe who did not quite earn that position. So they get into a leadership position, and they don't know how to run a business organization. And really, that's what you are as a head coach with your assistant staff your trainers, your sports medicine people, whoever else you have the uh, fortune of having support you. Right. If you're in a leadership position and if you cannot lead your, your, your team as a business, um, I think you are doing a disservice to everybody under you. If you lead your team strictly as 
I'm a coach. We're going to win games. We're going to scout well. We're going to recruit well, and that's it. Um, I, I think you are setting yourself up for a hard road ahead. So, so that not surprisingly leads to frustration from a lot of coaches, and they start questioning: Am I in the right position? Do I really want to be here? So, for you, I'm wondering: When did you start to have those thoughts? Like, ah, is it? Do I really want to do this? Is it? time to leave like when can you remember hmm. not necessarily you know a you know, I don't know a, a certain it, instance that happened or either a, a time in your career where you thought wait a minute is this all it's cracked up to be when was mm -hmm. that for you? yeah you know in my last year of coaching um my wife was pregnant with her second child we had a um a baby and who was you know, right around one years old and I was starting to travel a lot uh, on the road for recruiting and playing. And then my one-year-old starting actually missing me when I left, right? That combined with the new baby, one on the way, my personal kind of sleep, <laughs> you know, balance was off. Um, I had trouble sort of balancing my personal home life and my professional life with this new life change. In my last year of coaching, I knew that I wasn't giving my best I knew that I wasn't prioritizing correctly. Um, I knew I wasn't impacting the team and, and program the way that I should have. And so I, I started to realize, I said, you know, what is important to me here? Um, and how can I be better at balancing this? And I tried in vain for a year to try and make that happen. And unfortunately, both sides suffered. So that's when I really realized to say, you know what, th th this is a... Uh, <laughs> This is a bit harder than I imagined. Sure, sure, and and obviously that's you know your personal, you know story and and you know that's how you felt. Doesn't mean that every coach feels that or has has a, a young yeah, family it, that they need to take care of and everything. Um, some coaches can balance both, and yeah. I mean I, I need to talk to them and see how they did it, and I, I commend them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so you have these thoughts start start kicking in. And I'm, I have to imagine that's scary. Well, in any, in any career change that I've made over my life, when you think about or you realize, uh oh, I need to do something else, that, that's a little bit nerve wracking. And, and so how, did, how were you feeling and how did you approach sort of the emotional mm -hmm. side of, of coming to grips with that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it continued to be, you know, work your tail off, um, do the best you can on both sides, right? and find that balance. Um, I mean, on the basketball side, I mean, I, you know, I was producing scouts right on time that are good quality scouts. I was recruiting um, good quality players, et cetera. But I think um, you know, I felt uh, a negative because I wasn't feeling like I was impacting the program. Um, you know, and I think part of that had to be maybe some tangible goals were not there. I was just going to say, does that go back to I, I, sort of the goal? That's right. Um, yeah, the, the measurables. Because, you know, in reality, what those are is it gives you kind of, um, it's like winning a lap in a race. You know, you have a long race, but once you kind of go around the track one time, you pass that first lap, you can feel some element of success. If you're without a goal, you're like a ship in the ocean without a rudder. You're floating, you're moving in the direction you think you need to move to, but you're not really sure if you're hitting all the targets and marks, right? And nobody wants to be in that kind of situation. You combine that with, on the personal side again, a new baby, et cetera, um, it becomes very difficult to balance. Right. And, and that's, you know, so I think that's looking back where I could have improved 
and what could have helped me from a leadership perspective improve as well and maintain some balance and have a good positive impact for the team I was working for. Right. So, so just a quick little you know, time out on our main discussion. I, could you just talk quickly to head coaches or to an athletic director that's listening that might have a, a group of head coaches that they manage and that they uh, oversee? When it comes to this whole idea of goal setting and giving your staff some sort of measurable to say and to define, yes, you are successful, or ooh, no, you fell short, um, what, what would your message be? Like, well, give, give those coaches, give that athletic director advice from your perspective now, mm -hmm. what you needed and what coaches out there probably need. You, you know what, first and foremost, and this is maybe not said or talked about often enough, Number one needs to be maintaining a personal and professional life balance, okay? Because I think the main downfall in college athletics is that coaches, head coaches and assistant coaches alike, see coaching as it is in a lot of ways as a 24-7 gig. And I think there is a reputation of the hardest working coaches in the country always being on the clock 24-7. First to come in, last to leave, always on the road, you know, 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. in the gym, watching games, throwing tournaments, etc. I think that is detrimental to the sport. Okay, that's how people get burned out. Uh, that's how people become resentful towards their sport in a lot of ways. So number one, I think there has to be an emphasis on having some balance. Have aggressive goals, have big goals, but have some balance. Go home at night, be able to turn it off. You know, be able to take a Saturday off of work and not feel guilty about it. Be able to maybe miss a practice to go to your sister's wedding, okay? Those are things that are most important for retention in the sport and for maintaining a passion in the sport. Got it. Got it. No, that's, that's good. Okay, so you're having these feelings. You're starting to question what were some of the conversations going on behind the scenes? I guess, how did this start to take practical form? Like, okay, there, there needs to be a change. Here's Here's what it is, because I think that's the difficult part for a lot of coaches who might be listening to this, going through the same kind of questioning that you went through uh, at this mm -hmm. point in their career. So what, what did you start doing to take action? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, my head coach sat down with me, and she simply said, we need more from you. And I said, I know you do, um, 100%, you know. And so on my side, what, what more to me meant was working longer hours and trying to work harder. And... The, the problem was is I wasn't working smarter. And again, I think that's a common fallacy that I was brought up with in college athletics is if you work really, really hard and long hours, success will come to you, okay? And it's not so much the emphasis on working smart and sort of having a measurable operational plan. So the changes I started to make, you know, was really just putting in more time, you know, watching more film, getting out on the road recruiting longer hours, and what did that do? It kept me away from home and away from my baby. And uh, it just sort of continued to snowball, right? And uh, I don't want to point fingers here. I mean, this is a lot on myself and reflecting on what I could have done better. And I think the point and one of the points in this podcast is helping other coaches. If you're struggling to stay in the business, if you have a passion for it and if it works for you personally. And at the same time, for coaches who are maybe struggling and thinking about coming out, um, you know, showing you kind of how that happened for me, and then what happened uh, in the transition coming out. Right. So what um, what were some of the things? I mean, coaches, it's always interesting for me to see coaches that leave the business, um, 
whether they're forced to leave or it's on their own decision, and they, they go into other um, they go into other areas, they go into other businesses, other sectors like you have done. And I'm just wondering, how did you figure out what to do after coaching? Uh, <laughs> that was a very difficult process. Um, you know, recently I was contacted by a former colleague, a head football coach, Division One level, and, uh, you know, he reached out and had the same question to me. And I've had many colleagues over the years ask the same question, and it's not a simple answer. So I think what I had to do, and one of my great friends made this point to me, I had to step back and say, what is it about coaching that I really loved? And I was able to break it down, right? So for me, it was playing in front of thousands of fans. That's really fun. Uh, competing and scouting and coaching the game. That's really fun. Developing players. And then the simple things like you know, being a part of the team, leadership activities, involved with the community, etc. So what I did is I listed out everything I loved about the sport and being in my position. And then I looked to say, where can I get this in other fields? And the reality is 80% of what I loved about basketball, I could find somewhere else. Okay. Um, okay. So it was, it was aligning the things that you liked about the game, but just making sure that this new, the new direction you went to um, implemented those elements into, into that daily work life. Exactly right. So number one is making that kind of roadmap. Number two is reaching out to my network and saying, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Any thoughts or plans? Who do you know that left? What did they do? And I've, I started to accumulate some options and did some research, Googling, what is this? What is that? And then I learned which of those positions or types of roles met most of my passions that I had for, for athletics. And then I sort of pursued a few different career paths, began interviewing got the right feel for me, and moved on. Right. So that process of going, you know, well, first of all, the, um, the I, I guess, the process of, you know, so you don't go to the gym, you don't go to the coaching office one day, and now you're in training, starting a new career at a new place, just emotionally, what's that like? Because just I think the thought of that transition and that switch and not wearing your school polo, you know, <laughs> to work. Um, you know, there's a there's I think what I've heard coaches talk about, Chris, is I sort of felt like I lost my identity for a while. Mm -hmm, and I'm mm -hmm, I'm just wondering, mm -hmm. was that you or or what was the switch oh, just from a yeah. from a practical like, you know, you're not walking onto a campus anymore, you're walking into a um, you know, a business office. Yeah, Dan, I, I felt totally out of my environment. You know, since I was a freshman in college, um, I had this goal and this career path. And that's all I thought about, all I focused on. That's all I studied. That's what I, you eat, drink, breathe athletics, as most people in this industry do. I always thought people who worked nine to five were foolish, to be quite frankly. I thought they're foolish to do something like an office job, you know, to not be involved in sports. So I really felt so out of my place and out of my environment. And, and you're right, I did lose my identity because for years I was a coach. Um, and what do you do next? You know, and so you begin, I remember interviewing and pulling into an office park and I just felt sick to my stomach. And not about interviews, but about being in an office park. It, it was so foreign to me. And it, it just, it, 
it, it is something that um, it took me about three months to become comfortable with. And it, it was not an easy process. It was really looking at myself and saying, okay, I am not a coach. Who, who am I beyond that? Right, right. Okay, so then you, you're fast forward into where you are now and um, is life good? <laughs> Life is, I, I, I would not go back to coaching for a million dollars a year. <laughs> no, so, How, so why is that? What, well, like, what, what, what is it now that you realize, oh my gosh, there were some unhealthy aspects mm-hmm. of this, at least, and let's be fair, at least in the way that you were approaching it and the way that you kind of, you know, maybe didn't balance things. And, and let's say there are a lot of coaches who have figured out how to balance it that uh, we want to talk to. But yes, <laughs> but so let's, you know, give everybody else some credit that you're not saying all coaches are doing this, 100%. But, but for, for you, why not? Well, I'll tell you what's different now to then. Okay. Number one, the people out, and let's talk about my experience. Okay. And, and the experience that I have is being in the recruiting industry. Um, I've been a recruiter in the bio biotech and pharma space for three and a half years. I was fortunate enough to attain partnership with my company and uh, you know, we did some pretty good things. Um, what's different on the business world side of things compared to college athletics is a few things. Number one, only the people who produce and do verifiable high quality work advance and move up into promotions. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen on the athletic side in college, okay? There are terrible coaches who get super fantastic high level positions, okay? I've known them. There are also amazing coaches who cannot catch a break and they're kind of stuck at the bottom. And let me tell you, there are some fantastic, amazing people and bright minds who just cannot catch a break. Okay. That's my, that's the biggest change. All right. Number two, I have a, to follow that up. I have a linear career progression, both monetarily and in terms of title. Okay. If I do well, I'm going to get promoted. When I get promoted, I make more money. When I'm promoted and make more money, I have job stability because I'm valuable to the company. Okay, and that kind of continues moving on and on and on. Again, unfortunately, on the other side with college athletics, that is also not necessarily the case. You are at times at the mercy of your head coach's ability, um, of your player's health, (laughs) to win games and keep your job. All right? And then I think number three, the biggest difference of where I am now is, you know, I really do control my fate. As an employee of a company, as a partner of a company, I control my fate and, and the direction of my career. On the athletic side, unfortunately, again, that's not the case. As I just mentioned, you, it, it depends upon the quality of your staff, your head coach, your administration, the support you get, the health of your players to you know, do well, develop, stay healthy, and win games for you to keep your job. All right, so now we get to, I guess, the advice that we, you know, knowing the backstory and knowing some of your observations now, again, certainly I am not, you are not the, the all-knowing, end-all, be-all, uh, you know, advisors for coaches who are considering should I stay in coaching or not. But, you know, you do have this perspective because you made the change, and I think you are certainly representative of coaches who decide to leave. Um, and sort of the, the title and topic of this podcast is, you know, is it time to leave coaching? Mm-hmm. So can you give coaches some questions or areas in their life that they should be asking themselves and, and maybe the answers that they need to look for to help, to help address that question that they might be struggling with? What would your advice for them to be mm-hmm. 
uh, and you know, it's a bullet point list of things that they can look for um, or, or consider or talk about um, or you know, mm-hmm. the signs to look for. That would be great to get your perspective on. Sure, I definitely do have sort of a few areas to evaluate and then uh, you know, assess your response and that will give you a clue if it's time to kind of move on or not. You know, I think the first thing I want to say is there are tons of opportunities out there for coaches with transferable skill sets where you can find leadership, um, you know, leadership responsibilities, being part of a team, competition. You can find those in a job outside of athletics. And you can always get your fill of coaching and developing with individual skill instruction, high school coach, AAU coach, start your own AAU club. There are many different ways to fulfill all your passions that you love within athletics. The questions I asked myself or the experiences I had or my colleagues have had that led me to say, hmm, you know, maybe it's time to move out is a few things. Number one, are you missing personal life experiences, family weddings, you know, births of your, in some cases, children. I've, I've heard this before, coaches missing the birth of the children because they've been recruiting. Um, are you missing personal life experiences that really are impacting you and or your family? Okay. You t- you've told me uh, just on that note about a, a wedding that you had to miss. Yeah. 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 And, and that's another, I mean, these are all things where your family goes, oh, you can't go to that. What are you doing? You know, I'm sorry. We have a game that day. Right. Um, I think another thing is the impact on your spouse or partner. You know, are you having to relocate and your spouse has to drop their job and go out and find a new job? Um, Are you leaving family behind? Um, So I think the impact upon your family um, and your personal life is is the number one place to look. Number two, on the professional side, are you frustrated with not growing um, linearly? You're not growing... Uh, vertically in your mm-hmm. career? Um, are you struggling because you may have to move state to state or school to school or division to division or take a job that you don't really want but you want to stay in coaching so you'll do anything to stay in coaching? Right. You know, these are all things I think if you're asking these questions and looking at your situation, these are things that you know, people will stay in coaching to the detriment of your personal life and quite frankly, your prof- professional growth. So now that you've been out and obviously you have a lot of friends and contacts still in coaching, um, what are those conversations like? Do they sort of look at you and now you're kind of this, uh, this alien who's on another planet and you're not a part of that world? And are they curious, like, hey, what's it like? Are you liking it? Like, what, 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 is the, what are the conversations that you get now from, from your former fellow coaches? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think I was very well connected um, at the Division One level. And uh, when I left coaching, um, I'd say maybe 70% of those people I did not hear from again. Okay, so that sort of says okay. something there a little bit about playing the political game. The other 30%. Right. I was um, just going to ask, would you have considered before when you were in coaching, would you have considered those like close yes. or solid friends? 100%. People, yeah. people, people who would do me a favor and I would do them a favor too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then since leaving, there's been um, you know, a handful of coaches who are still in the business who ring me up once in a while because they want to get out, but they don't know what to do. Or they're, not, they're, they're, they're too afraid to get out because they don't know what to do. Um, or they're in jobs that they don't really like, but they took it to stay in coaching. And they're always kind of feeling, and they're always towing the line about getting out, but they just don't have the courage to kind of step over that, right? Or the other folks 
who have left and we talk and we say, oh my God, how amazing is it? We can take a vacation anytime we want. We can go skiing in the winter time. We can take, go to all of our family events. We have our weekends off. We have paid holidays, right? All of this good stuff. And there are some folks I talk with in coaching still who, hey, I support them and what they're doing. And we don't really talk about the difference. We're just friends and that's, that's the way it is. Right. So the bottom line is that this is survivable. If, you, if it is something where you feel like, okay, it is time to leave. It is, I, I'm just, my heart's not in it or I, I don't like the lifestyle, whatever. Um, then I guess you're, you're, the message I'm hearing, Chris, is that you can do it. You know, you can do it, and, and there is more balance in my life. There is more freedom in my life, um, both in terms of schedule, in terms of stability, you know, in terms of the, the uh, compensation that I'm earning, you know, to, to do things and spend time with my family. It is very survivable. I am so happy and thrilled I spent 12 years in Division One athletics. It was an amazing time, and quite frankly, I would do it for free because I loved it so much, but that was a little bit of the problem. <laughs> So coach, hopefully that helped. Hopefully it helped confirm that yes, it is time to start looking at some other options or it told you that you are in the right career. Whatever the case, coach, there's no right or wrong answer. This is something very specific to your lifestyle, the life you want to lead and your priorities in that life. So the design here, the, the, the whole reason we wanted to open up this conversation was we know it's on a lot of coaches' minds. We know that it's something that doesn't get talked about between too many coaches. So we wanted to have the conversation with a coach who's made the jump, let you know that it is possible, but also if it's not right for you. And if you've heard things that he was feeling that you're not feeling, hopefully it gives you a newfound confidence that you have chosen the right career and you can go forward with uh, renewed energy and focus. So that's going to do it for us. I want to mention two quick things before we go that uh, we have a new website that's just been totally redone. Looks great on any of your mobile devices at dantutor.com. You can access all the podcast episodes, our free blog with 15 years of research and articles and tips, plus all the services that we offer uh, from workshops to client relationships where we work one-on-one with you to develop your recruiting campaigns. And make sure you click on the conferences link because that is the place where you'll find all the information for our upcoming summer conference, the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. Coach, we would love to have you at that. It is a, it's like Disneyland for a recruiter. There is so much good information and sharing and speakers and experts that are going to come up and talk. Uh, Boy, it's it's really something that is a great investment to do uh, for your career. So look into that. It's this summer and all the details are at dantutor.com. Like I said, just click on the conferences link. And you can do it from your phone now because it looks fantastic, if I do say so myself. Coach, that is all for today. We appreciate you listening. Tell your friends and fellow coaches within your department to subscribe on iTunes, Google, or to listen, uh, stream it on Stitcher. And we look forward to the next time we get to talk to you. More great stuff coming up, Coach, so stay tuned for it. And thank you again for listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.